Knack knack. Who's there? Uh, yeah, I'd rather not share that with you. Hey, no sweat. Come on in. Make yourself at home and take anything you want. Wait, you wouldn't let a stranger in your house. Why would you let anonymous traffic scrape your website? Introducing IP Info's Privacy Detection API, a fast and simple way to detect malicious traffic. Activate your free trial today at ipinfo.io. And don't forget to use the promo code CODESTORY at checkout. MVP minus one, you know, kind of the pre-MVP was actually building a lot of, you know, how we operated in Google spreadsheets. We had some of the most complicated Google spreadsheets you've ever seen because it was really about, you know, how do we organize this? How do we manage, you know, this unique business model? You know, Hungary has, has, has faced some huge challenges. If you think about, you know, again, as a core business, a platform of office and event catering, you know, March 2020 was a really scary time. You know, COVID hit, suddenly nobody's in the office, nobody wants to do you know, live events. We saw millions of dollars of sales evaporate overnight. And, you know, it was gut check time for the company and, and for our team. My name is Jeff Grass. I'm co-founder and CEO of Hungry. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lapart, and today how Jeff Grass created the nation's best way to cater food for your business from top local chefs. All this and more on Code Story. Jeff Grass had his career start more traditionally as a bond underwriter, graduating from Wharton, and then being a serial entrepreneur. Outside of his business ventures, he's married with two kids and used to run marathons, including one into Athens with his bare feet. When he's not running, he's spending time with his kids and doing their activities. Jeff's current venture started out as a tech-enabled platform for office and event catering, which connected their users to incredible chef entrepreneurs. Fast forward, they are now a national platform for top chef-made food production and delivery services that includes much, much more. This is the creation story of Hungry. Hungry is a a platform designed to connect companies with top local chefs and restaurants to provide a suite of amazing food solutions. So think office catering, snacks, events, uh, uh, things like that. What makes us unique is is that we primarily partner with top local chefs that cook out of of incubator kitchens, ghost kitchens. So it gives us a way to work with some of the the most talented chefs in a given given city. So you get very, very high food quality. You know, we have hundreds of chefs on the platform, so there's tremendous variety. But cooking out of ghost kitchens gives us a significant economic advantage versus sourcing food from a restaurant, you know, or a traditional caterer. So it allows us to provide very high quality and affordable price also to own the delivery and the service. So it's our team, you know, transporting the food from the, the chef's kitchen to the office and then doing all of the, you know, providing a VIP level of service. Tell me about the MVP. So that first version of the product you built, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? Well, Hungry relies a, a tremendous amount on technology to run our business model. It is, it is very unique in, in this industry. It has a lot of structural advantages. 
It gives us, as I mentioned, a lower cost structure by owning the delivery and the service allows us to make it ultra reliable, provide a VIP level of service. And so these are key factors that our clients really value a lot. The, the challenge of our model is, is that we're working with chefs and restaurants all over a given city. And so how do you coordinate and manage the, the communications with you know, hundreds of different chefs and restaurants to serve you know, hundreds of clients all across a given market? And so technology plays a, a critical role to allow us to run the business in a very reliable, very scalable, very cost-efficient way. Our MVP minus one, you know, kind of the pre-MVP was actually building a lot of, you know, how we operated in Google spreadsheets. We had some of the most complicated Google spreadsheets you've ever seen because it was really about, you know, how do we organize this? How do we, how do we manage, you know, this unique business model that we thought and we knew would have, you know, huge advantages, but, you know, just trying to figure it out allowed us to iterate you know, super, super fast. And as we started to do that, we then, you know, began to build the technology platform. Our initial build, you know, really took us about a year, year and a half to build, you know, kind of the initial core elements of, of what we call the Hungry Operating System or Hungry OS for short. From a technology perspective, we, we used a React front end, we used um, Ruby on Rails primarily, you know, in the back end, and it was a, a SQL database. So just, you know, kind of a typical startup, you know, fairly low cost and uh, just trying to get going quick. With any MVP, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs, right? And I could probably, you know, cherry-pick a few things out of what you said, but tell me about those decisions and trade-offs you had to make around, you know, feature cut or tech debt, acceptance or anything like that, and how you coped with those decisions. The priority was definitely on, you know, getting ourselves to market quickly. We're big believers in let's not overthink, you know, let's let's get something, you know, fast into the market that allows us to get, you know, very quick, you know, feedback and, and see kind of what works and what doesn't. Um, I think that's one of the, the, the real advantages that we have here at Hungary is we, we tend to not spend a lot of time, you know, debating in conference rooms, you know, what to do next. We tend to try to go for it quickly, but it's with an eye towards, you know, something fast and, and, and simple that allows us to start learning because, you know, we know we're going to, you know, learn a lot more with, with live customer reaction than, than without. You know, our, our whole focus in the first two years was proving out, you know, this this business model using technology to allow us to do that in a scalable way, and also with an eye towards, you know, building in a way that allow us to replicate this in other cities across the country. So those were some of the like the key must-haves as we were we were building it, and then it was, you know, obviously, you know, how do you make sort of those those tough decisions around, you know, which piece of functionality first versus second, and so we prioritized things that help support our operations because that was the most complex. And then some of the more, you know, client-facing pieces as well. We formed an, an advisory board of, of early clients also. That so we really tried to be very, you know, customer-led and, and having them guide us as to, you know, what they needed most and what were the priorities and and how do we, you know, define an interface that really works well for them. From that point, you've got the MVP and it's working how did you progress the product from there how have you matured it and i think to kind of wrap that in a box what i'm looking for is how did you go about building your roadmap and deciding okay this is the next most important thing to build or to address with hungry we, we've built hungry's you know operating system our tech platform in a very modular way so there's different core you know modules you know one that focuses on the chefs and our interactions with chefs right it started very basic you know simple online interface using emails to communicate you know today it, it leverages mobile apps you know there's texts there's there's all kinds of different ways that we stay in close contact and coordination with our chefs 
There's a module for our clients. You know, how do we interface with them publicly? Also provide them their own sort of client interface. There's a module for our services team. You know, we we, we do real-time tracking, so we know where they are. There's there's six different check-ins along the way that makes us more reliable. There's a mobile app that they leverage as well, you know, that helps us, you know, ensure a high high level of, of service and quality. Um, there's there's a module for our sales team. There's, you know, different kind of engines that that all kind of go together. So we, we've tried to build this out, you know, in, in ways that support the different functional components of the business, but also make sure you're building it, you know, with an eye towards how it all works, you know, well together also. And so that's, you know, some of the tricky parts, right? Yeah, you know, making sure you know, each has its own sort of specific application, but but it, it, it all, you know, ultimately, you know, works as one, you know, comprehensive system. Okay, let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team? And, and specifically, what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? I am admittedly not, you know, super technical. You know, I, I don't know how to code. You know, I'm, I'm more of a of a founder you know, that has more on the business side and then and the technical side. My co-founder, Shai Palavani, is much more sort of product-oriented. So again, not not super technical, but he oversees our, our product and technology organization on a day-to-day basis. In the early days, you know, we had limited funding. We were still trying to prove concepts. So we, we started with a small team of, of, of pretty young, very smart and talented you know, uh, developers and programmers. Really, I think got lucky in that you know the early team you know was incredibly dedicated and, and very fast and nimble and, and kind of you know really adopted that mindset of let's go quick, let's get you know, let's ship product, let's let's get feedback, let's iterate, and uh, and that you know kind of mindset I think has permeated ever since. Okay, let's talk about scalability, right? And and scalability could be technology, uh, could be team, could be both. But was this designed? and built to scale from day one, or have you been sort of fighting this issue to grow and gain traction? I think anytime you're, you're building that MVP, you know, you, you, you try not to like totally, you know, mess up with regards to scalability, but you inevitably run into those challenges, right? You know, the, the things, you know, Ruby on Rails just wasn't, you know, sort of fast enough. You know, there were, there were certain elements of what of choices, tech choices that we made early on that as the business progressed, you know, as we started to see a lot more volume flowing through our, our system, as we've now grown from, you know, operating in one city to 14 major cities across the country, we really needed to sort of progress the, 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 the technology. And so we shifted a, a few years, a couple of years ago to more of a, a microservices design pattern, you know, using this microservices architecture that, that gave us more flexibility. We've evolved the, you know, the tech stack. We still use a React and a lot of React Native on the on the front end and our mobile apps, but have shifted, you know, the database to more Mongo, a um, little bit of graph databases as well. So things that ha- are helping us manage the the scale and the complexity of the system in a more efficient way. You know, there is there is you know some tech debt there, right? You've got to kind of slowly sort of retire old pieces of functionality as as we build on the newer newer technology. And so that's kind of an ongoing, you know, uh, effort for us um, behind the scenes, but it helps us, you know, address some of that, those scalability challenges. From a, a team perspective, we, we have you know, invested a lot over the last, I'd say, 12 to 18 months in 
building out you know a lot more mid-level management um, across the organization to help support our ability to scale the business. Um, Hungary is growing at an exponential rate right now. We, we have very much invested aggressively into the return to office as, again, our, our core business is office catering, office food events. And so this has been a year of people starting to return to the office. And with that, um, companies using food to, to encourage people to come back and to make it you know, a great place to be. You know, the kinds of investments we've been making are in things like training and other kind of you know, functions that support you know, the organization, uh, HR, accounting, revenue operations, things like that. In our technology organization, I'd say we have built out a much more robust product team and have, have been able to, you know, over time, you know, create more specialization, you know, QA function, you know, versus the developer function, things like that. So things you, you, you normally see is you go from like true startup phase where developers are doing it all to, you know, having a, a little bit more of a traditional, traditional structure. Well, as you step out on the balcony, you look across all that you've built. What are you most proud of? You know, I, I'm most proud of the honestly the team that we've assembled. We're an organization that that really is is very purpose driven. We focus a lot on on team and culture and environment. We invest a lot in trying to help grow our people, you know, both personally and professionally. Really trying to provide a you know a, a culture and environment where people are excited to you know jump out of bed and come to work every day. You know, Hungary has, has, has faced some huge challenges. If you think about, you know, again, as a core business, a platform of office and event catering, you know, March 2020 was a really scary time. You know, COVID hit, suddenly nobody's in the office, nobody wants to do, you know, live events. We saw millions of dollars of sales evaporate overnight. And, you know, it was gut check time for the company and, and for our team. Unlike most other companies in our space that just fired and furloughed, you know, most of their staff, we really, you know, wanted to try to hold on to the people that we, we had, you know, keep the team together. And so we decided to try to innovate our way through it. And what came of that was we, we started to rapidly roll out a, a series of new business lines, you know, service lines that leverage the, the capabilities that we created, this, this, this technology platform, the operational capabilities, the chef network. And it was remarkable. Um, you know, we had people, you know, performing superhuman feats, you know, left and right. We had our, our technology team launch an entirely new product line of something we'd never, you know, planned to do before in, in like a two-week period. So it was, you know, lots of late nights and, and, you know, fast, fast sprints. Within six months, we turned the business profitable with revenue from, from service lines we'd, we'd never, you know, started to work on, you know, pre-pandemic and, and ended up tripling the size of the business, you know, during COVID. So... I'd say that's you know what I'm most proud of is just you know how the team responded and uh, you know and and it really helped keep everybody together, helped keep the company going forward, and uh, is really setting us up for for huge success. You know as as return to office really starts to take shape and, and build momentum. That's amazing, great story. Well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. The first thing that comes to mind is is from a technology choices perspective. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we, we started to rapidly roll out some new services uh, when the pandemic hit. One of which was we, we took a lot of the technology and the operational capabilities we had created in support of our catering business and started to use it to help provide um, last mile food delivery services. And, and this started in New York City, actually, where we began by delivering a couple hundred meals a day to low income seniors in the Bronx that could no longer go to local community centers you know, for meals. 
That quickly you know, took off and, and was very successful. Within a couple of months, we were delivering a million and a half meals a month across all five boroughs. So you know, just the, the scale of it at that just really started to, 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 to go crazy. Our tech team, you know, really wanted to help support that. You know, we had a, a lot of needs around, you know, how do we how do we route optimize in you know, the best way possible? How do we support it? And so they set out to try to build a, a very robust set of technology that was different than what we had had built for for catering. Catering worked, you know, up to a level, but, but you know, there was sort of a, a whole nother level above that to do these these very large, you know, contracts. And, and I'd say, you know, we, we quickly learned that, you know, what we were trying to achieve was just more than, than what we were really, you know, ready for. We actually, I, I'd say, got a lot of the technical, like the hard technical components right in terms of run optimization, but the UI, UX piece, you know, how to how that works with dispatchers and things was was something that. Um, you know, was 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 also a, a non-trivial engineering feat and, and something we really struggled with. So we ended up really bifurcating, you know, kind of leveraging our technology platform up to a certain point and then partnering with another company called Workwave that really, you know, had a much more robust technology stack to kind of support it. So I'd say, you know, trying to sort of build it internal versus take a very honest assessment as to, you know, what are what are outside applications we could leverage um, instead is was, you know, kind of a key technical um, choice that we you know made that I, I wish we you know had had uh, you know probably thought through a little bit more you know in retrospect. The other thing that I, I think we we probably in retrospect you know sh- you know took too long to really invest in was our product team. For a long time, it was primarily business people talking to developers, and the developers were, were the ones trying to sort of translate and be the product interface, right? And, and so, again, you know, early stage technology company, you know, that's that's not you know uncommon. But I think you 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 start to realize as the system gets bigger and more complex, you know, the demands on the on the development team, you know, increase. How important the role of product is in terms of understanding, you know, kind of the needs of the clients in the business, really. You know, thinking them through carefully, translating them, and as we've done that and built, you know, a, a really you know rockstar product organization, it's helped us you know rapidly accelerate you know the speed with which our, our our development team is able to you know ship new product. I'd say that's also a lesson learned in terms of wouldn't wait quite so long to invest in product. Well, this will be fun to ask. What's the future look like for the product and for your team? Where we are today is, is you know, Hungary has has rapidly expanded. You know, really, we've grown quite quickly throughout the company's life. But but we're at a, a very exciting inflection point with return to office. As as Americans have, have have gotten more comfortable, kind of coexisting with COVID, you know, companies are, are are definitely starting to move. You know, to try to get more of their teams back together in person again. It hasn't been, I'd say, the avalanche you know that we thought it was going to be, but but there's a, a very you know persistent, sustained you know uh, movement you know that back to office, and and finding ways to encourage team members to come back has been a challenge for for companies. You know, you can either try to browbeat them, or you can you can try to lure them back with with things. And, and food and and drinks and snacks we, we've you know companies have found is, is one of the most cost-effective ways to do that it's amazing how how influential you know a free lunch can be but we're really excited because we're still at relatively modest levels of return to office right it's still early innings uh, you know most of the data shows you know we're only 40 to 50 percent depending on 
on the city uh, in, in terms of you know, office occupancy versus pre-pandemic levels. So we think this this the shift is going to be gradual. It's going to really take place over the next couple of years, but it provides us a market that is growing, you know, very very quickly. And you know we're really in a great position because we were able to innovate our way through COVID. You know, come out on the other side in a very strong position. You know, the competitive landscape is is very weak. You know, many companies went out of business. Others dramatically, you know, reduced their teams. So we're we're, we're investing heavily in growth, and we're experiencing you know hyper hyper growth right now. So that really kind of points us to where the company is going. It's really about scaling the business to a size and, and profile that, that sets us up to be able to go public. And, and 2024 is our goal. And so we need our product and our technology to continue to support. We we acquired a, a healthy snacks business called NatureBox earlier this year that we are evolving into a, a really compelling office snacks and pantry solutions you know offering. Um, so there's there's quite a, a lot of new technology build that that we're that, that we're, we're working on as we continue to expand to more and more cities and the range of different ways that we can serve our clients with regards to food and snacks and drinks proliferates. It, it's causing us to build you know new new ways of interfacing with our clients. So there's a lot of like continued innovation, but but round that kind of the core of the business of of office food, of catering, and then now with the Nature Box addition, you know, snacks and drinks as well. Well, Jeff, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something that you look up to, and why? I'd say there's no sort of one person. Yeah, I, I try to learn a little bit from. You know, every person I, I come into contact with, you know, one of our core values is being people-centered. And so I think if you really kind of focus on you know, the people, you know, you can you can learn from everyone. I get a lot of inspiration and, and guidance from one of our board members, Walter Robb, who's the former co-CEO of Whole Foods. I think uh, a lot of my work ethic, you know, comes from my my, my dad and look up to him in, in all kinds of different ways. So I'd say it's really a, a mosaic of, of different, you know, people um, that, that I, I leverage as opposed to to just one, but uh, always trying to, you know, improve. And, and, you know, I think with that growth mindset, it's good for me and, 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 and try to, you know, sort of encourage that, you know, across our team as well, that, you know, we always want to be learning and growing and developing. You know, we have a viewpoint here. It's okay to fail. It's okay to, if, if you know, something messes up, we just want to make sure we take the time to do a postmortem, understand what went wrong. You know, how do we make sure it doesn't happen again, right? So it's okay to make a mistake. Let's just not make it more than once. And so I think if you you can kind of follow that kind of growth mindset, you know, good things will happen over time. Okay. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different with Hungry or tryhungry.com? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? You know, I, I think there's been, you know, a variety of tactical things. Like I said, I, I wish we would have invested in product sooner. You know, there's there's you know, some people decisions that I, I think we, we would have done differently. You know, if I could wave a magic wand, it would be that COVID never arrived because <laughs> um, it definitely took our business into some different directions. That said, I, I do think we're coming out, you know, better and stronger than before. I think at the core, you know, I, I like what we have done. I like the trajectory that we're on, you know, and I think it's okay, you know, that you make mistakes along the way. Again, you just you just need to learn from them quickly. So I'd say those are, are some of the things that come to mind. Well, last question, Jeff. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can we show it off to you right there on the plane? What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit several times? I love helping other entrepreneurs. I think we all have to 
you know, help each other and stick together because um, it's a really hard road. The first is, is I'd, I'd encourage him to, to share. You know, I think sometimes first-time entrepreneurs get worried about sharing their idea with others because they're, they're worried, you know, someone's going to steal it and take it and go do it themselves. You know, in my experience, it's, it's extremely unlikely. And, you know, the more you share with others, the more feedback you get, you know, the more you're essentially market testing it, right? You're, you're getting, you know, perspective from others that's going to help you, you know, push your thinking. I'd also say that, you know, what I've learned over four different startups is just how important, you know, team and culture is. My first startup, it was myself and a co-founder, you know, it was just kind of like, go, let's build. Never really thought about team and culture. You know, every company has a culture just by default, but the more intentionally you can be, I think the more you can you can really inspire, you know, the team, the more productive people can be, the, the, the better they can work together. It's actually like some of those those softer skills, you know, around around people and team that I think many times we overlook. I think we we don't really you know learn very well in in school. You kind of have to be doing it to, to learn it. But um, being as intentional as you can you can around the people that you hire, especially in the early days, and and the kind of environment that you're fostering, I, I think is is key. Last, I'd say is is for an entrepreneur is just to be really customer centric. Don't fall in love with your idea so much that you aren't willing to change it, right? So you got to listen to the market. You got to listen to your customers. You got to be willing to evolve. That was, I think, a huge uh, mistake of mine in in my second company, where I think we were so wedded to our idea, we were unwilling to really clearly hear, you know, what the market was telling us, and 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 to pivot and change. And I think we waited too long in some ways to to do that. So. Being committed to what you're trying to achieve, kind of the bigger vision, but not being so inflexible with how you're going to get there, I think is the is the strange paradox, right? Like you need you need to be able to be persistent and, and sort of push through during difficult times, but you also need this this flexibility to to the how you're going to get there. And I think that's sometimes a, a difficult you know balancing act for entrepreneurs. All great pieces of advice. Well, Jeff, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Hungry. Thank you, Noah. I appreciate the opportunity. And if anyone would like to learn more about Hungry, you can visit us at tryhungry.com, T-R-Y, hungry.com. Thank you. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Say big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big